0: Morning scripture comes from um, one and um, verses twenty seven through twenty eight and thirty three through thirty nine. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, "What is this? A new teaching, and with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him." News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons.
1: This summer, I was on sabbatical, and I uh, want to share a little bit about that. Uh, I was thinking about Jesus. How's that? Okay. And uh, what do I love about Jesus? And what am I noticing about Jesus in this, in this in my life? as I'm away. And one of the things I picked up on was how Jesus uh, had people who expected something from him. They wanted something from him. They wanted a piece of him or they wanted something that only he could give them. And sometimes he gave it to them and sometimes he said no. And I noticed how he dealt with the pressure of expectations and I just thought... That might be a good thing for us to uh, dwell on for a while. As we deal, anybody here feel the pressure of expectations of other other people? And it's not always bad. They usually are are at least labeled under the heading of love. (laughs) I love you so much that you should, you know. And some of that is is okay. Um, We'll sort that out as we go along. But when I was growing up. Well, let me. Another thing I did on my sabbatical was I got. uh, Both of my parents are gone. I have three siblings, and the four of us siblings got together and we celebrated our parents, who have been gone for quite a while. What a good thing to do. We grew up. I grew up in a really loving, imperfect family, and I assume that. I, I think that's the best you can do in this world is grow up in a loving imp- or an imperfectly loving family. It's, so I, that happened. And, um, but, but my role in that family, and everybody has a role in a family, it seems like, uh, was sort of the black sheep role. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not one I recommend. <laughs> um, but one of the things that happened, there was an expectation in our family that you would go to college. And uh, that, what that translated into as a first grader or a second grader or a third grader was that you would get good grades, because in order to get into college, you have to get good grades, right? Do, do the math. <laughs> and um, I felt the pressure of those expectations then at a very early age. And I felt like, I knew I was loved, but it kinda got, you kind of got this mixed, mixed message of, well, you're, maybe you're loved a little bit more if you got a at least a bee, you know? and So uh, I can remember all that stuff and it's part of the shaping of who I am. Okay, so Jesus had people who expected him to behave in certain ways and we want to learn from him and when we learn from Jesus, and this is, I'm going to go here heavily today as we're, we're going to come to the communion table in a little bit. It's not just, it's not an intellectual exercise. Well, it's part of it, but it's way more than that. We actually, oh, we, when we learn from him, it's a part of the deal is we... Um, Absorb him into ourselves, and we'll talk about that. But the communion table is a symbol of that. Okay, so uh, I have an outline for you. Are you ready for a surprise? I have two points. I'm really messing with you here today. Here they are. Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, the text. And then saying no to expectations. And I'm going to be a little shorter today because uh, we have kids in the room and I try to be shorter on these Sundays, but hopefully in the time we have, God will speak to your heart. Mark chapter 1, the text. Uh, it's, an, it's an amazing chapter. This, uh, Mark is, a, is a, uh, a writer who focuses in on activities of Jesus. There's not a lot of teaching per se. It's, it's um, just here's what he did and take note. And so, uh, we get to this, this passage, but the whole chapter is one of, a sort of a cadence to it, of Jesus doing something or saying something, and people are amazed. They are astounded by what he has done, and we read just a little bit of that. Uh, and so, there, there, I want the, the, here's the thing I want you to get. I want you to feel, actually, is there's a vibration in this chapter there is an electricity in this chapter. People have never seen anyone like this before. They, he, he has authority. The way he teaches is different. He, he's casting out evil spirits, driving them away from people that are loved by God. And he is healing people. I mean, this is, this is amazing stuff. And he's got something that every politician in this world would just crave for, pay for, unfortunately. But it's called momentum. Momentum. He's got the big mo on. It's just this kind of sense of a movement and uh, it's going somewhere and people are wanting to be part of it and you feel that, that vibe as you get into this chapter until until verse 35, it seems to, to slow down. Jesus is, he all, so he leaves off in verse 34 with all these people At the door, waiting to be healed or be touched by him in some way, he's at Peter's uh, mother-in-law, and she was healed. And so the whole town is lined up at the door. And then it says in verse thirty-five, and Jesus got up early while it was still dark the next morning, and went out to a solitary place by himself to do what? To pray. And, and it just it, you just feel the the whole thing kind of shifting a little bit here, and that the commentators suggest that there was something within Jesus that um, was uh, there was something you know how you feel a little disturbed in, in in your soul that with all these people waiting at the door to see him and all the things that are going on that he he had the sense the need to go and reconnect in a deeper way with. God the Father, and so he goes out early. And, and um, then the next thing that happens is that the disciples, apparently, like some of you, you have to sleep in a little bit. I got up this morning, well, it was still dark, just to tell you, you know. But the disciples, those who were following him, Peter and his friends, they, they slept in a little longer. They woke up, and Jesus isn't there. There's probably still people at the door. People are gathering early, and they know they've got a big day in front of them. They've got to get things ready, and Jesus isn't there. What are they going to do? So they go out to look for Jesus, and they find him in this solitary place. And what do they, what do they say to Jesus? Now, this is a line I want you to really think about what's being said here. Everyone, everyone's looking for you. In other words, there's expectations that are all around. But what are they really saying? What's underneath that? Everyone's looking for you. And how does that feel when you hear that? How does that feel to you? I mean, it might feel really good. Or it might feel just kind of overwhelming. So everybody wants a piece of you. But for a politician, how would they feel? If, if you were to tell one of the, let's take Iowa the next whatever there in, in January, everyone's looking for you. How do you feel as a politician? Oh, that's good. That's really good. How do we get more of that? Jesus, when, when the disciples say everyone is looking for you, they are saying, what in the heck are you doing here? There's a, there's a criticism that's going with it. What are you doing out here? And there's an implication on the part of, maybe it's Peter who's speaking. Uh, It goes with who Peter is. But Jesus, uh, let me give you some advice. You need a handler like us to help schedule you. This is the implication of everyone is looking for you. uh, For the first time, Jesus at least in Mark's gospel or the gospel, seems to feel this. The weight of these expectations, these shoulds that are being placed upon him by the crowd and then by the followers. And he will disappoint those folks many times. So he says to them, well, let's just go somewhere else. Guys, we're on our way. We're going to go do... We're we're, we're called to not be here where all these people seem to need me and want me. We're going to go over here. And he got that because he prayed. So that was he, but whether otherwise we don't know what would have happened. But that's probably why he went out that morning was to pray. Now, that's so that's the text. And then saying no to expectations. So let's look at Jesus, and then we'll look at ourselves and how. And then we'll come to the communion table. Um, there's two hints of why Jesus might have said no to the folks, other than the, the prayer thing that we just talked about, that are earlier in the chapter. In the first, so these are, these are big events in Jesus' life. In verse 9 through 11, it talks about the baptism of Jesus. And the key phrase in the baptism of Jesus is the voice that he hears from the Father, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he hears that. What a beautiful thing to hear. And I think back to my own childhood and what, what identity that gives you. And when you have identity, the expectations that come at you. This is one of our keys in this, in this whole series is, is getting deeper identity So that when the expectations come, you aren't tempted to do what wouldn't be a good thing. So Jesus has this identity-shaping voice from the Father. You are my beloved child, or my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And it comes before Jesus does anything. He hasn't done anything yet. He's loved before he does any of the miracles that he's going to do. Back to your own childhood. Do You have that kind of love. In, in your story, you don't have to do anything to prove yourself in order to be loved. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he hears that voice himself. And then the second thing, that, the other hint that's here, and we're going to focus on this in this, is just the, the temptation. So Mark uses the word immediately, which he uses 35 times in his story. He loves to use that word. Immediately, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness And the Spirit led Jesus, the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We're meeting all the key actors in the drama here. So Jesus goes out, and I want to to borrow from a, 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 Henry Nowen is the source of this, some of these words I'm going to be using right now. But there's three temptations, and Mark doesn't detail them, but Luke and Matthew do. The first temptation is to, there's, there's some stones there and the devil says, look at those stones. Jesus, you can turn those stones into bread. I can, I can make that happen for you. You can turn those stones into bread and what will people do? People will sense that you're very relevant when you do that because what do people need? They need bread. That You have exactly what people need. Turn those stones into bread and you will... Have everyone coming to you and they will be, everyone will be looking for you. That's what's going to happen. Everyone's going to be looking for you. You're relevant. Okay, Jesus is then tempted a second time and this time the temptation is to go up on the top of the temple and throw yourself down and watch the angels catch you. And here's Nowen's phrase is that will be Spectacular. And when people see something spectacular, everyone will be looking for you. You see, relevant and spectacular. And then the third temptation, the devil says to Jesus, if, look at all these kingdoms in the world here, I will give them to you. You will be the most powerful. You can rule, you can have it all. All you have to do is bow down to me. And I will make you so powerful. And what politician wouldn't say yes to that? I don't know. I mean, that makes you wonder. So everyone will be looking to you because you're so powerful. Everyone will be looking to you. Everyone will be looking for you because you are so relevant, so spectacular, and so powerful. That's temptation that the devil puts in front of Jesus. Now that's earlier in the chapter. So when Jesus hears his own followers, disciples saying, everyone is looking for you, it activates something in him. And he is able to hear the voice of his father saying, you are loved. You don't need to be relevant. You don't need to be spectacular. You don't need to be powerful. You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. He has no insecurities because of the voice of the Father in Him. And it's such a freedom to be able to speak in front of you knowing that I don't have to be relevant, spectacular, or powerful. I love this microphone, though. It makes me feel powerful. Yeah. But no, it's just to rest in the love of the Father. What a gift to us. So we transfer from Jesus to us the ability. How do we say no? Well, I think you probably hear it. But I want to... I wanna just note something that's very interesting to me and maybe maybe to you too and that is that the word Christian which is what gets used for followers of Christ, right? That's the most common thing. We, we might say something else like I follow Jesus or whatever but Christian is the number one thing. Is only found, that, that word is only found three times in the New Testament. Against that or over that, or whatever, is the Apostle Paul, just one writer, the Apostle Paul, uses the phrase, in Christ, 146 times, to describe somebody who is, in Christ, or a Christian. Much more biblical phrase, to be, so I ask you, are you in Christ? And what does it mean to be, in Christ? This is where, uh, we find our capacity to say no to expectations. So if Christ, who was able to say no to those temptations, is in you, you have a a resource, a power... That is not from yourself, or is at least in addition to the character that you have, that it allows you to say no. So here's the key, is that to be in Christ is to have a spiritual union with Christ. That in some way, that is not totally explainable to us, your, or his DNA is part of your DNA. His identity and character gets absorbed into you. You. This is what it means to be in Christ. So to be a Christian is not to say, yes, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. It's to become like Jesus, to absorb his character. That's what Paul means by in Christ. Kind of lost that along the way somewhere, haven't we? Are you in Christ? Christ, Another way Paul says it, but not nearly as often, is, is that Christ is in you. The spiritual Union with Christ. So when we come to the communion table, one of the resources that we have for our ability to say yes or no to the expectations we have, that there are, again, I said it before, there's some good expectations we should say yes to. But one of the resources we have is the communion. This is a a renewal of your Christ-inness or your inness in Christ. How's that? That's what this table represents. Our Catholic brothers and sisters down the road have a different take on this. Uh, just, I'm just going to say what they believe, but is that the, through the, uh, the uh, what's the right word here? I don't want to offend any Catholics. So, but the priest is able to, uh, through the liturgy, th- th- this actually becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's their belief. And then there's another, if you were to go to, that's on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum would be this belief that, well, this is just, these are just token reminders of who Jesus is and what he did for us. He died for us. And so we are in this, this is part of our tradition, and we share this with others, that we are in this tradition that would say, well, wait a minute, there's something else here. There's, a, there's another way to think about this, and that is that Christ is here in a unique and special way. There is a place here for a spiritual union between me and Jesus that is not available in the same way anywhere else. And I can renew my Christ, my being in Christ at this table. And so uh, one of the great lines from a, a liturgy, I, I'm trying to be generous to all, but I think it's from the Anglican Church, is that when we come to communion, we feed upon Christ in our hearts by faith. And I want you to think about that for yourself because we're just... A minute away, or here from having that opportunity. Feed upon Christ in your hearts by faith. Can we? Can I get you to say that with me? Feed upon Christ in your hearts by faith. That's what you're being asked to do right now. To be in Christ, and I'm going to ask Sharon to come on up. Um, she, we're going to lead this together. will be um, well, she'll explain where we're headed.
2: Feed upon Christ in our hearts. We remember how he first fed his early disciples. So here again the words of Jesus for you and I. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembering me. And after the meal, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembering me. And Paul reminds us, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Mm -hmm. As we come to tables this morning to feast on the Lord Jesus Christ, to say that we are in him, there are five different stations around our worship setting, three in front and two in the back. All of them have gluten-free options You're invited to come and receive by intention. Take a piece of the bread, dip it into the cup, and receive it right then. And children, if you haven't been instructed in communion, come forward. There's a grape for you, and the pastor that's there will pray a blessing over you and celebrate that God's love reaches you, even before we know about him. During this time of communion, too, we will have prayer available in the back. If you have anything you want to pray about... If you would like to know what it means to be in Christ and you've never taken that step, go back and inc- uh, someone will be there to pray with you.
1: I'd like to just lead us in a prayer of preparation right now. Oh Lord, um, look into our hearts and what you see there is what's most important. And Lord, that the, the image of you in us, grow that image. We are in Christ Or we now have the opportunity to say yes, I want to be in Christ. We trust ourselves to you, we trust our hearts to you, we thank you for the grace that we are about to receive through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Come and feed upon Christ in your hearts by faith.